The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast, powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk, and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Dane Evans re-signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Delvin Bro deciding to unretire and plan a return to the CFL. Kyron Moore's knee injury costing him a potential NFL shot. Canadian defensive end Jonathan Kongbo signing with the Denver Broncos. And Canadian receiver John Mechie III declaring for the 2022 NFL Draft. But first, MOP Zach Kolaris has the Winnipeg Blue Bombers by their blue balls in contract negotiations. Do you think we'll see Zach Kolaris back in Winnipeg in 2022? If there were betting odds on this... In my mind, the Bombers would be the favorite to have Kolaros under center in 2022. That said, as long as this goes along and the seconds, minutes, hours, and days tick toward not just free agency, Hodge, but the open tampering period, let's call it, or the Ed Hervey period, let's really (laughs) actually call it. That's what it's referred to behind the scenes. The legal tampering period. That's a week before free agency. So we're talking February 1st when other teams can, on the books, let's say, offer contract negotiations or contracts, I should say. They can have contract negotiations with Calero. So we're getting really close to that date here. And as we've seen with some of the other teams and what they've done with their quarterbacks, they sured that up. Right away. It took the Hamilton Tiger Cats a little longer with Dane Evans because they had to get their coaching staff and front office in order, and we'll get to him in a minute. But that's just one example. You look at the Calgary Stampeders with Bo Levi Mitchell and Jake Mayer. They have them set to go for 2022 and under contract and everything figured out financially, which is a key. But the Blue Bombers and GM Kyle Walters have gone along here and signed a number of key guys. Obviously, Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat would probably be top among them so far. But Caleros is the key piece in my mind here as a quarterback because of what he's done with that team. 17-2 and win-loss record as a starter. That includes back-to-back Grey Cup wins. And in my mind, he deserves to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. A very similar situation to Bolivar Mitchell in 2018 when he did the double, won the MOP and a Grey Cup title, leveraged that into a $700,000 per year contract with the Stampeders that has since been renegotiated. But 
In my mind, if the cap's going to be in and around $5 million, which that's what my sources are telling me, Hodge, Caleros certainly at least should command $600,000, if not more, based on his recent track record. Yeah, let's talk about the comparables, because at the end of the day, that's what sets the market, right? Is is what are the top players at this particular position making across the board? We know Bo Levi Mitchell. We know that Michael Riley are in that 525, 550 range. Uh, however, what we don't know is uh, what is going to be uh, taking place in Winnipeg. We know that Zach Kolaris made approximately 425 prorated in 2021. That leaves about a $100,000 gap. Does Zach Kolaris as the reigning MOP deserve that extra hundred grand? In my opinion, absolutely. You listed his record. I believe one of those two losses was the meaningless final week of the regular season in 2021. So in meaningful games, I mean, the guy's got one loss and two championships. How do you beat that? (laughs) But with that being said, I mean, you look at the market. Trevor Harris is currently a free agent. If I'm Winnipeg and I have a toss-up between Kolaris and Harris, I'm going with Kolaris all the time. However, with that being said, if Kolaris comes at, let's say, 600, but you can get Trevor Harris at 350, to me, that becomes a big conversation to say, hey, you know, is our system, which is run heavy, you know, we got a defense that can get takeaways by the bucket full, we got the best O-line in the league, we got the best D-line in the league, do we really need to splurge and have the highest paid quarterback as well in this system? So I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I'm with you, Dunk. I think that there's a good chance Kolaris will be back in Winnipeg, but I don't think it's a guarantee. There's a lot of intrigue with this situation because you make some valid points in terms of the other components of the Blue Bombers, right? Willie Jefferson's first year in Winnipeg was 2019. So that played a major factor in that defense leveling up. Of course, Adam Big Hill is a consummate pro and a leader on that unit as well. And in 2021, they had one of the best defenses in Blue Bombers history, maybe even league history, arguably. It doesn't get viewed that way because of the shortened 14-game season. But a great unit on D. Special teams were solid, if unspectacular. But their offensive line, in my mind, is the best in the league. And that should continue if they can get Stanley Bryant under contract, no matter who else they're able to re-sign or not. I just think that group is stellar with Jamarcus Hardrick coming back on the other side. They'll have the best tackles in the league. Again, if Bryant re-signs, it seems like that should happen. So to me, when you get into some of those comparables, like you mentioned, with a Trevor Harris or some of the other guys that might be out there, Jeremiah Masoli, let's say, is going to be available in some form or fashion. Could you plug them in and have that same success? Well, I'll go back to the years prior where Michael Shea was building this team and Kyle Walters were building the foundation of the roster to get to the point where it could legitimately compete for great cups and win great cups. I don't think there's anyone in Winnipeg around the league that thinks Matt Nichols could have done what Zach Caleros has done with this team. So I don't just think you can plug somebody else in there and go and win another great cup. It's going to take some time, first of all, for Lem them to learn the system and also Caleros as a leader cannot be understated. Michael Shea has gushed multiple times about him starting from when they acquired him at the trade deadline all the way through these two great cup runs for what Caleros has done as a leader behind the scenes and that 
to me, you cannot undersell. So it's easy to say, well, take Caleros out and put Trevor Harris in and everything else can still work that same way. But it's a totally different person, quarterback, and all the rest. So I think Caleros would certainly be worth the money. And if he's not to Winnipeg Hodge, somebody else is going to pay him. Ottawa would love to have him there to help that rebuild go much more quickly. He has familiarity with Paul Apelis, having won a great cup together in 2019 as an offensive coordinator with the Bombers and Caleros, of course. The quarterback, Sean Burke, who's a general manager with the Red Blacks now, knows Caleros from their time together in Hamilton. He was there the entire time that Caleros played for the Tiger Cats. And then you have Edmonton out there with Chris Jones. Yes, they gave Nick Arbuckle $100,000, but I really don't think that money matters that much to him. He's going to be in the market for a veteran. So I think there are other teams that would covet Caleros on the open market. And I didn't even mention Toronto. He makes his off-season home in nearby Aurora with his wife and children. And it's less than a 40-minute drive without traffic, it should be said. For so him to get from so Aurora you're saying it's a five-hour drive is what you're saying. It's a five-hour yeah, drive. It could be a couple hours in traffic. But I think all of these are what lead to what could be high drama behind the scenes if it gets to that Ed Hervey tampering period. Let's let, and this, this conversation can, can kind of parlay its way into our next point, which is the Hamilton Tiger cats have signed quarterback Dane Evans to a two year contract extension worth $417,000 in hard money for the 2022 season. I want to know what does this mean for Evans, the Tiger cats, and in particular, incumbent starter Jeremiah Mazzoli, who you mentioned just a moment ago. So for Evans, it means that he's the franchise dude for sure for 2022. And that's why I want to make the focus of it. It's a year-to-year business, all right? Yes, Evans signed for 2023, but as we alluded to earlier, Bolivar Levi Mitchell has read on his contract a couple times from the $2.8 million four-year deal. He signed at average $700,000. Mike O'Reilly's been the same in BC restructuring that. Large parts of that was due to the pandemic, but that's why I want to focus on 2022. So Evans is the franchise man. They've made their decision there that he's the number one guy. As for what it means for Masoli, we've kind of gotten to this a little bit in terms of the Caleros discussion, that Masoli is going to be coveted by one of these teams that is looking for a legitimate quarterback. Masoli was a guy that was beloved inside that Ticats locker room. And as much as publicly, and this is no slight, but the players do say positive things about Evans, you could certainly tell by the way that those things were said and what people were saying behind the scenes in terms of the sources in the locker room that Masoli was the guy, a poised leader, a dude that is proven in this league and has been very close, Hodge, to winning, you could argue, more than one great cup, but certainly that great cup. If Jalen Acklin catches that pass at the goal line and gets in, how much different are we talking about Masoli in terms of where he might end up? Or would he have been the guy that the Tiger Cats re-signed for the future over Evans? To me, that's a very intriguing topic, but Masoli is going to be wanted by... Certainly Ottawa has that connection with Burke, who was in Hamilton for a number of years. Toronto has had interest in Masoli in the past. And Edmonton, with Chris Jones there, would love a guy like Masoli to set the tone and leadership in that organization. And if Caleros doesn't happen to be back in Winnipeg, I am certain that the Blue Bombers would want to have like 
a guy like Masoli in the building. It's a guy that you could see O'Shea liking a lot, Hodge. I yes, and I get that. the The issue of Mazzoli's vaccination status has come up. He's reportedly unvaccinated. From my sources, from what I've gathered, is to play in twenty twenty two. Mazzoli is open to becoming vaccinated uh, in order to continue his career. He's in the United States right now, according to new Canadian federal legislation unvaccinated amateur or professional athletes can't even get into the country. So this isn't even a matter of being unvaccinated and having trouble traveling within Canada in 2022. This is an issue of, can he even get into the country? I'm led to believe that the answer is yes, he will be vaccinated and should be able to get into the country for 2022. Uh, To me, and, and we talked about some teams, Dunkster, you touched on the Argos, you know, you touched on the Red Blacks, you touched on even the Elks as an option. That, to me, is what I'm going to if I'm one of these quarterbacks. And obviously, you don't want to be the last one standing without a chair to sit in, right? That game of musical chairs, you know. And that in that game, the goal is to be the last one standing. In this game, the goal is to not be the last one standing because once guys like Trevor Harris, Jeremiah Masoli, you know, uh, uh, Zach Kolaris, these guys who are all pending free agents, possibly even Nick Arbuckle, depending on what happens in Edmonton, Right. Once once the chairs or the music stops, you have to have a team. If you don't have a team, you might be the last one left without money sitting there for you. So to me, that's what I'm sure is going on behind the scenes is is quarterback saying, well, if, if you're not paying me this, then I'm going there and they're going to pay me that. Oh, well, if well, but you can do that. But but guess what? If if this guy's already there, then you're going to come crawling back to us. So there's definitely a lot of chess being played by these players their agents and these front offices because you mentioned the the holes there's another one potentially by the way of course in bc depending on whether or not michael riley chooses to return in 2022 so there's a lot of chairs to be filled the music is still playing and we'll have to wait and see who's left standing at the end of this because there's more uh there's more quarterbacks i think right now than there are places to be filled which is interesting in terms of BC, it seems like for Riley that he's either going to hang him up or potentially somehow ends up in Edmonton. So I don't think he plays anywhere else other than those two franchises. And it makes sense because he's from the West Coast, right? So it does seem like, and Hodge, you had this in Insider Talk this week, that the BC Lions are really high on Nathan Rourke. And if they go with him as their number one guy, yeah, it might be a little risky, but they get a benefit in two ways. He counts on the ratio as a Canadian starter at the game's most important position, which hasn't happened in a few years now, in terms of that rule actually being used since it's been put into place. And Rourke, even if he maxes out, can make like in and around $100,000. So you can go and put a bunch of playmakers and pieces in place to help him out there as your quarterback. And you could potentially go and get, as you mentioned, one of these guys that doesn't end up with a starter's job there to back him up. Let's say Trevor Harris, who has a relationship in the past with Rick Campbell. That would make a lot of sense to me and could step in if Rourke isn't playing to the level expected. Now, I really think this entire quarterback situation and what might shake out is driven by Caleros and whether or not he re-signs with the Blue Bombers. Because if he makes it to the open market or even that Ed Hervey tampering period a week before, teams are going to be intrigued. And Caleros, to me, is in a class above everyone else right now because of what he's done. There's no other quarterback that's going to become available that has 
two great cup championships on their resume as a starter that has an MOP to their name in a dominant season. So it's going to start with Caleros. And then in my mind, that next guy is Jeremiah Masoli because of how much Toronto and Ottawa could covet him and even Edmonton. We cannot forget about Edmonton. People need to put that $100,000 that was given to Arbuckle out of their mind. So there's so much intrigue here. And we didn't even really touch a lot on him, but Harris played very well in a difficult situation going to Montreal, learning Kari Jones' playbook quickly, and had a great TD to INT ratio. So some people want to, I think, throw some arrows Harris's way, but he was in an awful situation in Edmonton. Completely unfair that they made him the scapegoat there, specifically Jamie Elizondo. And I think Harris still has some great football left. So there's some high-level quarterbacks here that are creating a lot of intrigue as we get closer to free agency. Well, we got to move on. We're over time. But I will say this. You mentioned it made a great point about Harris, which is if we could hop in a time machine right now to, let's say, October 2019, and people were given the choice between Trevor Harris and Zach Kolaris, nobody in their right mind would take Zach Kolaris, who was coming off of his nth concussion, who had more picks than touchdowns, I believe, as a starter in Saskatchewan in 2018, whereas Trevor Harris... You know, like he, he was on pace for a 6,000-yard season at one point. So it's amazing how recency bias can change our perception sometimes of these quarterbacks. Right now, if given the choice between the two, absolutely have taken Kolaris. But it's not that long ago that everybody would jump at the opportunity to have Trevor Harris rather than Zach Kolaris. So certainly interesting times, Dunkster. Certainly interesting times. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about Delvin Bro. Welcome back. Dunkster Delvin Bro is looking to come out of retirement. Now 32, the perennial all-star corner is technically under contract with Hamilton until February 8th. However, he will then be free to sign with any other team if he doesn't re-up in Steeltown. Where do you see him playing in 2022? The odds-on favorite is the Tiger Cats, and I think a lot of people were wondering if he actually signed with Hamilton when he appeared on the transaction wire. Well, of course, there were sort of rumblings that I had heard before that and digging into the situation a little bit. It was only about bro being taken off the retired list, being put back on the active roster, and as you alluded to off the top, he's a pending free agent. Now, Based on his relationship with Orlando Steinauer, they've been together for a number of years in Hamilton. I would think that there is going to be a want to get something done with Bro and his shutdown ability. Man, it can make that defense even more difficult to score against. So I think the Ticats certainly will be the front runners to get him back, but there are going to be other teams in the mix. In the past, I know the Toronto Argonauts offered him a lucrative contract, but it was that tie to Hamilton that brought Bro back. An important note here, he was on the Tiger Cats sideline during the 108th Grey Cup in Hamilton. So maybe those vibes and being back in a packed stadium in black and gold has wanted him to get back or caused him to get back on the football field here. And it's Overall, just great for the league. But I see him in Hamilton, although there's going to be some intrigue if he does actually hit the open market. 
Well, one team I'll throw out there is the Ottawa Red Blacks because of the Sean Burke connection that we talked about through the Dane Evans and Jeremiah Masoli conversation. You know, if, if I'm Ottawa, I'm looking. Obviously, you need an injection of talent on both sides of the ball. That is inarguable. But I'm also looking for that extra uh, it factor. I'm looking for that that veteran presence. I'm looking for that leadership. And to me, at 32 years old, having not played football in two years, you know, is Delvin Bro going to be the same player he once was? I mean, he's an elite player. There's no question about that. But to me, if I'm Ottawa, I may be willing to pay a little bit more because of what he brings in the locker room, because of what he brings as a leader on that defensive side of the football. He's a guy who would almost be like a a coach on the field, right? An extra guy on your staff who can show the way for these young players. The, The Red Blacks had a decent secondary in 2021. It wasn't the weak point of that roster, but a lot of young players there outside, of course, of Antoine Pruneau and Abdul Kenna, both of whom are are pending free agents and may not be back. So if I'm Ottawa, I'm looking at at potentially signing Delvin Bro, not only as a guy who can step on the field and help me, but a guy who can help me rebuild, you know, the core and the leadership group of that team because right now that team lacks that in a big way. Indeed, Bro would be a great piece for the Red Blacks, and I'm sure a bunch of other teams would want him. I think he can get back to that level when he steps back on the field. To Saskatchewan, where Rough Riders receiver Kyron Moore said his knee injury took away NFL opportunities from him this offseason. Are you buying that? I am to an extent, you know, and, and I mean, Kyron Moore is 165 pounds soaking wet, which I think I was that weight at about age 11. Uh, but that being said, as much as he, you know, that 165 is awfully small for the NFL, we have seen a shift in the way in which NFL players who maybe a generation ago would have been perceived as grossly undersized actually get a shot in the last few years. I don't see Kyron Moore as an every down receiver in the NFL, but a guy like Deontay Spencer, who became a star with Toronto and Ottawa north of the border, has has really hashed out a very nice career for himself in Denver as a return man. Moore has had success as a return man at the college and professional levels. The Riders don't let him do it a lot because, of course, he's so valuable as a slot back for them. But I do think there's precedent for a player of his size and his production level and his age. He's still only 25 getting a look down there, and we know that he worked out previously for the New York Giants while under contract with the Riders. To me, the more interesting thing that Moore said was that his knee injury, and the Riders haven't disclosed officially what it was, but it apparently has a nine-month recovery period, which leads me to believe there's a torn ligament of some kind. That's my speculation. Uh, but you know that at a nine-month, he suffered this injury in October. That means he would be ready for July which means Dunkster, he could miss the first month of the season. He said it's still up in the air whether or not he'll be ready for training camp. So to me, that was an even bigger story. Not only the knee injury costing more an NFL shot, but also a very distinct possibility that he's not going to be able to play at the start of 2022. Yeah, and just based on that timeline, I'm no doctor, but that sounds like an ACL injury, and mm-hmm. that's what I think a lot of people around the league felt like it was. So. Yeah, you're always uncertain in terms of how fast an athlete can come back. Some people feel like that might take a year. Others are like, you're getting at nine months. Some guys might be six months, right? Everybody heals differently and their body responds 
in various timelines. So ideally, the Riders want him healthy for the start of the season. But to me, you want to make sure that that dude is 100% and not pushing it in terms of getting back on the field. In a story you broke, the Edmonton Elks traded defensive tackle Mike Moore to the Montreal Alouettes in exchange for left tackle Tony Washington and return specialist Martise Jackson. Did this deal make sense for both sides? In a way, but there were a lot of people around the league saying to me, why did Chris Jones trade away Mike Moore, who is a young, stout defensive tackle that can play well against the run and rush the passer? It didn't really fit Jones' M.O. from the past where he wants to load up that defense and especially the D-line. So the only, I guess, explanation that I could get from people is that Jones must have just not liked him. He must have not been a Jones guy based on what he's seen on film. Because, yes, you get back Tony Washington, who's a solid, if unspectacular, left tackle. But there's some people around the league, and especially Montreal feels this way because they traded him away. They felt like the Owls needed to get younger that position anyways. Martise Jackson is a guy that has flashed some potential here and there. But to me, when you put Washington and Jackson together, it doesn't necessarily equal more. But we've seen in the CFL some weird trade valuations in the past. And it's difficult normally when you have Canadians and Americans in trade. But this is an all-American trade. So what it says to me is that Jones wants to get a guy that he trusts and that he's had at left tackle before in Washington to ideally make sure that if he doesn't find one of those younger players that he likes to on the road scouting to play left tackle, that he at least has a guy in Washington that he knows can start, play at a decent level, and that can tutor those young tackles that he's going to bring into the franchise. Yeah, to me, this this kind of reeks of a salary dump. Mike Moore was slated to make, I believe it was $160,000 this year in Edmonton and they're paying a lot of money to a lot of you know I mean obviously they want to free up money potentially to do something at the quarterback position but you know Jake Ceresna at the exact same position is slated to make a lot of money in 2022 I believe he's making to the tune of about $150,000 so if you add it up you know to me and and by the way Chris Jones in his most recent media availability singled out Jake Ceresna as an outstanding player on that roster so to me this is possibly the elk saying look we're gonna have to ask Mike Moore to take a giant pay cut and it should also be noted he had nine sacks in 2019 only had two in 2021 so as much as he's a very good player he's a young player at the same time I can I can see from Edmonton's perspective saying hey if we're gonna have to ask Mike Moore to take a massive pay cut why not use him you know to get something back because you know we we, we know what the the connection with Baron Miles who's now the defensive coordinator in Montreal they've brought in a ton of former Elks including Nick Osher including Armando Sewell so there, there's an obvious connection there so to me this reeks of somewhat of a salary dump for Edmonton as they look to to really remake that roster especially with Chris Jones having such a firm grasp on exactly what they want on the defensive side of the ball indeed buddy I would agree salary dump and you try to get something of value because Chris Jones likes to pay his guys and there were some people around the league that say hey Moore wasn't that great in 2021 but really nobody on the entire Edmonton team was okay that's why the president GM and the head coach all got fired that just should be said the Ticats 
are trying to protect their investment after re-signing Dane Evans. They've extended the contracts of all-star offensive lineman Chris Van Zyl and Brandon Revenberg. Which do you like more, and what does it mean for their O-line? Well, I mean, I, I like both the re-signings a lot. I mean, Canadian offensive linemen are worth their weight in gold, which is saying a lot because they generally weigh over 300 pounds. Uh, but that being said, I mean, if I'm the Ticats, to me, this is almost a move, especially with Chris Van Zyl being in his late 30s. This raises questions to an extent about what are you going to do with the, with your young guys? Darius Sirocco came in a former first-round pick and really took over that center spot that was vacated by Mike Filer, who had it in the, you know in Hamilton for almost a decade ahead of his retirement before the 2021 season. Uh, but they've got some high first-round picks. You know, Jesse Gibbon was the number two overall pick in 2019. Kate Okafor out of St. FX is a guy they brought along, converted from defensive tackle. He started a bunch of games at left tackle. With, with Van Zyl and Revenberg chewing up a lot of money, I start to wonder, what does that mean for Sirocco? What does that mean for Gibbon? What does that mean for Okafor? Because the Ticats have arguably done a better job than any other team at consistently reinvesting in their O-line in the CFL draft. Coulter Woodman see a first-round pick from 2020 out of your alma mater of Guelph started for them in the Grey Cup and, and most of the 2021 season. So to me, that's what comes the next question is because we know, Dunkster, there's a million teams in this league who need help along the offensive line. And does re-signing these two veterans make it possible that guys like Sirocco, Gibbon, or Okafor could become available to other teams who need help along the line of scrimmage? It's certainly possible because you're not going to be able to pay all those guys. I would imagine they're going to want to keep Darius Sirocco because he's a local dude, grew up in Burlington. And even though it was a bumpy start when he moved to center after Mike Filer retired in training camp last year, by the end of the year, you could see him getting more comfortable. And it was clear to me that at least Orlando Steinauer had taken a bit of a liking to him at that position. So I do think the other guys that you mentioned, though, Jesse Gibbon and Kay Okafor, could be guys that hit the open market. And I would imagine, you know, Gibbon has that relationship. And we're going to see at least a handful of guys in my mind that were Tiger Cats last year go down the 401 to Ottawa and join Sean Burke there, the new GM. So Gibbon could be a candidate to do that. And you mentioned Canadian offensive linemen being worth their weight in gold. Like starting caliber Canadian offensive linemen don't hit the market that often. And Gibbon was drafted high. He's an athletic dude and has a bright future. So he's going to have multiple teams coming after him if Ticats just don't have enough funds to get him resigned. Well said, Dunkster. Well said. It'll be a very interesting one to watch, especially this Hamilton to Ottawa connection that has been formed given the way in which that front office made changes this past offseason. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Welcome back. It is now time for Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 2015, John Ryan threw a 19-yard touchdown pass to Gary Gillum on a fake field goal in the NFC Championship game. The completion kick-started Seattle's comeback against Green Bay and helped the team advance to Super Bowl 49. It was the first time a punter had ever thrown a touchdown pass in an NFL postseason game and is the most recent time that a Canadian player threw a touchdown pass in an NFL postseason game. Ryan made an anguished face while completing the throw, 
a photo of which went viral shortly after the touchdown was scored. Dunkster, we shared it on Twitter today. How amazing is that picture of John Ryan? <laughs> it's awesome, but that's the kind of face that you make when you feel like you're about to take a massive hit from a very large human being. So as much as <laughs> a lot of people want to make fun of it, when you're put in that situation, I would love to see the snap of your face when you have a dude that's like hurtling downhill at you like a missile wanting to take your head off. Well, and let's also not forget, he made the throw, which at the end of the day is all that matters. Style points mean nothing. Having a cool, calm, collected expression on your face does not make the touchdown worth more than six points. He got it done. They got to the Super Bowl. Didn't win it, but uh, but they got back to the Super Bowl. That's what matters. It was a hell of a throw, especially for a punter. We want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube always knows how to get the job done, and I don't even think they'll make an anguished face while working on your vehicle this winter. Don't forget to take your vehicle to Jiffy Lube. They'll do you up right. Tell them 3 Down Nation sent you. Well said, buddy. You know, they're not going to look at you like John Ryan has that expression on his face when you come in there to get your car service. And the expression that you're going to make on your face after you go in there and you're in and out in a jiffy, 15 minutes or less, is going to be a big smile. It's like you just threw a touchdown pass and celebrated, <laughs> I guess, properly. Absolutely. On that note, it's time for the three-minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube. T.J. Lee, the longest-serving member of the BC Lions, says it would be a very sad departure if Brian Burnham didn't return to the team. Can you see Burnham leaving BC via free agency? It's possible, considering what they paid Lucky Whitehead, which is going to be in and around the $200,000 mark, especially if he stays healthy for the majority of the 2022 season. That's normally the range that Brian Burnham has found himself in, and he took a pay cut to return to that team for the 2021 season. And, you know, the guy's in his 30s now, and he's going to want to get paid. So, yeah, I can see, you know, one intriguing potential that was brought up to me is could he be a dude that ends up in Ottawa, right? That needs some playmaking receivers and a veteran guy to help along some of the younger pieces that are on that roster. So, I mean, obviously there's going to be multiple teams that are interested in him. How do you well know that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers really wanted to get him there in the past as well? So I think there's going to be multiple options and I could see him not being back in BC. Yeah, the Bombers don't have a ton of money to spend, but Let's not forget that Darvin Adams, Kenny Lawler, both pending free agency, you never know. Mm -hmm. Canadian defensive end Jonathan Kongbo signed with the Broncos in the Mile High City. Is that a surprise? I think it is, to be quite honest. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, Jonathan Kongbo's a good player, but when you're when you're a rotational guy, you know, alongside the two CFL all-star defensive ends, hey, uh, I... It's interesting. Jackson, Jeffco, Willie Jefferson don't get a sniff, but Jonathan Kongbo goes to the NFL. Kind of strange. The Ottawa Red Blacks released quarterback Dominic Davis. Have we seen the last of him in the CFL? It likely is, unless somebody needs a short yardage guy with some veteran experience, then I feel like it's probably it for Davis. As much as I don't think he got a fair shake sometimes because he was in a terrible situation there in Ottawa, especially at the end, but yeah, it's probably the last of Dom Davis. Canadian personnel woman, Catherine Reich, interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings GM job. Would she be a legit hire? Admittedly, I'm biased as a proud Canadian, but yes, I absolutely think she'd be a great hire. That organization needs to look outside the box. 
Penn State linebacker Jesse Lucchetta is now the top-ranked prospect in the 2022 CFL draft. Is that deserved? It is, but that dude's going to be playing in the NFL, and odds are that he's probably an NFL draft pick, which of course is going to lower his CFL draft stock. You look at what he did and the production he put up for the Nittany Lions, that dude's going to be playing in the NFL next year. TSN analyst Glenn Suter said on the sports cage that the Riders should, quote, push the cap, close quote, to try to win the Grey Cup at home in 2022. Is he wanting the Riders to cheat, Hodge? Well, first off, every team cheats. Secondly, when you push the cap of the CFL, it's essentially the first hundred grand you go over is a luxury tax system. And we've also seen teams go over the cap in recent years and not be penalized. So as much as, yes, you could qualify it as cheating, I uh, I hardly think that what Suter said was shocking or unfair. Canadians Chase Claypool, Neville Gallimore, and Alex Singleton were eliminated from NFL postseason contention this past weekend. The only remaining Canucks on NFL rosters in the playoffs are on the Rams and the Bills. Will either team make the Super Bowl? Ooh, both those teams, I think, have an opportunity to. Now, there's some difficult games ahead. L.A. plays the defending champion Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady in the divisional round, and the Bills got to go to Kansas City, and they won there in the regular season. But it's a whole different thing now to do it in the playoffs, and especially coming off that game that Patrick Mahomes had on Super Wild Card Weekend. But, yeah, it's a possibility. Free agent quarterback Trevor Harris said on the Rod Peterson Show that he's still a, quote, Tier one guy, close quote. Do you believe that statement to be true? Well, he's 35, but he's a young 35, if that's fair to say. He's got relatively low mileage, and this is a guy who in 2017 and 2018 in Ottawa threw 52 touchdown passes to 22 interceptions. Like, again, recency bias is a thing. And Trevor Harris in in you know, just the last five years, is one of the most productive quarterbacks in the league. So I think it's fair for him to say that. Canadian receiver John Metchie the third has declared for the NFL draft despite rehabbing a torn ACL. Will he, st- will he still be a first-round pick despite the injury? Uh, I want to say yes because I'm Canadian, but I doubt it, man. I could see him being more of a mid-round pick based on his production at Alabama. But we have seen some guys in recent history in the draft that even though they suffered a torn ACL still go in the upper rounds or be a top two round pick let's say so I think it's possible he had great production in his last two years at Alabama perhaps could have been a game changer in that NCAA championship game loss that they had to Georgia so that was too bad for him in the Crimson Tide but I believe either way he'll be a draft pick that's coveted and a guy that could be super intriguing at the NFL level. The Riders have re-signed receiver Shaq Evans, who's looking to get back on his game in 2022. Were you surprised that Saskatchewan brought him back considering how down his statistics were last year? I was, to be quite honest. You know, Duke Williams was the guy there late. They have yet to re-sign him. I think this speaks, though, to how bad Evans' injury was because he played two postseason games, Dunkster, was targeted four times, made one catch for negative four yards. And and he was not, by the way, targeted even once in the West Final, uh, which to me spoke volumes. This is a guy who set the league on fire in 2019, was invisible 
in 2021. So hopefully he's healthy, he's ready for 2022, because when he is healthy, he's one of the most fun players to watch in the entire CFL. Last one, the BC Lions have hired defensive line coach John Bowman, the future Hall of Fame pass rusher. Dunkster, is that a good hire? Ooh, man, I like it. Bowman's a guy that clearly knows how to get it done on the field, and I think he can transfer that over into coaching. It's just, to me, an interesting way that it's coming out with the BC Lions because you wouldn't think that he would have many connections with that coaching staff, but it's great to see a name dude as a player get an opportunity in the league as a coach. Absolutely. I've talked to a number of people who think that Bowman will do a great job. I thought he said all the right things at his press conference. I think it's a great hire. On that note, we thank you, as always, for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. He's Justin Dunk. I'm John Hodge. We'll see you next Wednesday for another episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.